Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Brooks, and I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon at the Scottish Rite Hospital for Children. And I am absolutely delighted to have a special guest today uh, that we are interviewing in honor of Black History Month. Dr. Kalanandi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. And I was extremely excited to actually interview you for this special month, because I think so many times when when people think about Black History Month, they think about notable people throughout history who happen to be Black that were in America. But uh, it's not like Black people came from America. They're from all over, right? There have been notable people all throughout history, all throughout the world. And so uh, since the SRS is an international society, we wanted to make sure uh, that we uh, heard your story and heard it from uh, from your perspective and from the UK perspective. Um, and so uh, thank you again for taking the time to be on this podcast. Yeah, no, thanks, Jason. And uh, it's, it's, it's great to be here with you. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So, you know, just for, for those, I mean, I'm sure everyone in SRS knows who you are, but for those one or two people who don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little about where were you born? Yeah. So I, I was born um, in a, a town called Leicester. So it's 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 in the uh, the Midlands. So that's in the middle of England. So most of you would have heard of Nottingham uh, because of uh, John Webb. Uh, so Leicester is about half an hour from Nottingham in in the UK. So it's uh, there's a lot of countryside around Leicester, and it's. Um, it's famous recently because it's a football team against all the odds won the uh, Premiership uh, League title, which was completely unexpected because they're one of the smaller teams. Yeah, so they were the underdogs. Very cool. I will have to look up those highlight reels <laughs> uh, for sure to check it out. So you were born in Leicester. Uh, were your parents also born in the UK? And if not, where did they come from and how did they make it to the UK? What brought them there? So my, my, my parents are originally from Nigeria and uh, they came to the UK as students uh, in the 60s. Um, so my father uh, was a chartered accountant and uh, my mother was a nurse. And so they, they basically came over uh, uh, to pursue their studies at the time. Okay. And so that's, that's when I came into the mix. Yeah. Are you their only child or do you have siblings? No, I've got siblings. So I've got three siblings. I've got one of whom is uh, a doctor as well. And then um, I've got another a sister uh, who uh, is an IT consultant, but trained as a lawyer. And then I've got a, a younger brother who is also an IT consultant. Okay. All right. So two in technology and two in the medicine. Yeah. What specialty did your other sibling go into? Well, he, he started off in uh, surgery, but then went into general practice. Okay. So he's, uh, yeah, he's a bit more flamboyant than I am. And um, <laughs> so I think he, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so he gave up surgery and uh, went into general practice, which sort of suits his personality better. Okay, cool, cool. So how did your parents, like, if at all, influence uh, you to pursue medicine? You know, I know my family's from the Caribbean and uh, like a lot of a lot of immigrant families from all backgrounds, whether they're from Asia, India, Africa, uh, there is somewhat of a stereotype that that they only respect if you pursue medicine, law or engineering. Yeah. Was that how your parents were or did they say you could be whatever you want to call? And even if that's a chef, 
<laughs> well, sorry to disappoint you. No, they they fell into the the sort of stereotypical Nigerian parent. You know, we want you to be a doctor or a lawyer. Because I was um, I was actually hoping to be an architect because it was trendy and cool at the time. Most of my friends wanted to do that. And then one evening, uh, you know, I sat down with my father and we were just talking about careers. And I was uh, talking about architecture and all these fancy drawings. And he said, look, I think you'll make a, a I think your personality is better suited to medicine. You know, uh, what do you think? And I just sort of looked up and went, well, yeah, OK, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so the next thing I knew, I was applying for medical school. Yeah. And I think he was right. Yeah in the end. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. And interestingly, so even though my parents are from the Caribbean, they were a little bit more non-traditional. They, uh, they really supported whatever I said at the time I wanted to do. So when I said I wanted to be a chef, they yeah. bought me all these cookbooks. When I said I wanted to be an archaeologist like Indiana Jones, because yeah. I thought they all carried guns and whips <laughs> at the time, uh, they supported that, you know, probably from afar. And uh, same thing with my sister. And interestingly, even though they didn't push us at all into anything, uh, I ended up being a doctor. My sister ended up being a lawyer. So, you know, sometimes uh, I guess you get into what you want, even if you don't, you know, <laughs> not that pathway. But so, all right. So, so your dad said, this is what you were born to do. You're going to be a doctor. Yeah. What, uh, where did you go to medical school? So I went to medical school. So at the time, so I was born in Leicester. And then when I was about eight or nine, because in those days, a lot of the um, immigrant families, when they came over for their education, as soon as they qualified, they went back because they went into, you know, professional jobs. So we actually went back to Nigeria when I was about eight or nine. Okay. And uh, uh, so I, I actually went to medical school there. Okay. And then, and then it was when I qualified that I came over, you know, came back to England. So the plan was always because I wasn't going to stay here without my family. So they'd made the decision to go back. We all went back. And then I um, um, stayed over there because it, when I was in high school, because I used to come back to England on holiday. And, uh, you know, my father said, well, do you want to stay there and carry on? But um, I'm sure being from the Caribbean, you you kind of grew up in that environment where you were spoiled as children at home. Mm. You know, you had all the luxuries, you know, you had people doing the cooking and the oh, yeah. ironing, things like that for you. So the thought of going away from the, all that to live on my own in England <laughs> at the time as a an 18-year-old uh, didn't appeal to me. So I opted to stay in Nigeria and uh, 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 qualify as a doctor there and then come back to England. Okay, so uh, you finished medical school in Nigeria. Now, you know, especially a lot of folks in the U.S., it's pretty, like, confusing as how do you go from medical student to resident in the U.K.? Because it's, it's a little bit different than how we do it here. So yeah. how did that work for you exactly? Just kind of explain that. Well, I, uh, to start with, I, I did find it really difficult, really challenging, because um, the pathology in, in sub-Saharan Africa is totally different I see. from the UK. So, for instance, I had never seen rheumatoid arthritis in Nigeria because you just you, you just never came across things like that Interesting. Uh, uh, in, in Nigeria. 
And then the the emphasis. So in Nigeria, in those days, it was all about uh, knowledge and you read the books, you you read them page to page, back to front, sideways, and you knew everything. But then in terms of practical application of that knowledge, it was just a very different way of working. So I, I almost had to, to relearn or, if you like, revisit medical school to make that transition when I came back. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So when it came to like your overall, you know, mentors in medical school that kind of encouraged you, well, who would you say your mentors were that encouraged you to pursue a field in orthopedic surgery? So, I, I mean, I have to say, when I when I came out of medical school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it was only when I came back to England and uh, started to work in a hospital. And I think they, they often say that um, the career you choose is often influenced by the people you're surrounded by at a very early stage of your career. So I, I actually, when I came back, I went back to Leicester. And uh, I worked in an orthopedic unit in uh, one of the teaching hospitals. And uh, it was a great unit, great group of people. And I got on so much with them that I thought, yeah, this is what, you know, I like this. This is, I want to be part of this kind of unit. And I thought, well, if all the guys in this specialty are like this, then yeah, I want to be part of it. So that's where my interest in orthopedics started really just by being surrounded by a great group group of guys we got on both in work and outside work and so I thought yeah I want to be part of this. So excellent and so then you applied for orthopedic I guess residency and that is is this seven years in the UK or? So six six seven so in the UK in those days it was slightly different and I think uh, it's different to America so if you want to go into specialty training, in at least, well, in those days, you had to do general surgery first. Mm-hmm. So um, I went into general surgery. And, and at the time, because I was, um, I don't know how you say it in America, but I was footloose and fancy free. Uh, <laughs> okay. so I was very keen, keen to travel. So I actually went to Dublin. Nice. Uh, to do my uh, Dublin and Ireland to do my basic surgical training. And uh, I was originally going to go for just six months, but I ended up staying there for four years. And it was one of the, you know, the best times of my life because, you know, I went, I went to Ireland at a time, well, first of all, you know, my friends and family thought I was crazy because I didn't know anyone there. And I decided to go over and, you know, work in a hospital. And then the other thing was in those days, in Ireland, there weren't that many uh, minority uh, doctors. So I was probably one of about 10 minority doctors in the whole country. So that that in itself was, was a really interesting experience. But um, I had a really great time there. I made lots of friends, uh, some of whom I've remained friends with till this day. And it was really Ireland that gave me the foundations for spinal surgery because it was I was working in Ireland. Um, you must have heard of Frank Dowling. Yes. So I worked in his unit, and it was really my experience there that uh, sort of put me on the path to spinal surgery. That's so. You know, I, I, yeah, I had my calling because I, I still remember, I still remember the theatre I was in. 
the surgeon I was operating in. And that moment, you know, we were doing a scoliosis operation and I thought, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. That's cool. And, you know, just again, bringing the you know international perspective, you mentioned that you might have been one of 10 potential minorities in the whole country, yeah. maybe even less were like, you know, Nigerian or black at all. Yeah. But did you ever feel at any point in your orthopedic training that that affected how how you were treated, how you were respected in the hospital, uh, how you were able to hang out, you know, socially after hours? Was your experience something of isolation or was it something that didn't even cross your mind because no one brought it up? So that's the, that, yeah, so that was the cool thing about Ireland uh, in those days. So yes, I was a novelty, uh, you know, because like I said, there weren't, there were hardly any, any uh, uh, minorities in the country, but people, the Irish at the time, you know, they were more curious than than hostile, if you know what I mean. Like they would, I would go out in the evenings, I'd be sat in a pub and, you know, people would come up to me and say, oh, who are you? Where are you from? What are you doing in Ireland? Where do you work? How do you find Ireland? And um, they were really uh, uh, welcoming. And my, my experience at the time was not one of hostility to to me because I was I was black or whatever, but it was more of being inquisitive about you know my background, my culture, my origin, and uh, there were lots of things. And then also being you know having spent time in Nigeria where the attitude to life is quite chilled and relaxed, and I'm sure it's the same in Caribbean. Yeah. The Irish are very chilled and relaxed, mm. so. Mm. It, it did. It was a match made in heaven, really. And I have so many fond memories uh, uh, from Ireland. So nothing started on time in Ireland either? No, nope, nothing started on time. <laughs> nothing started on time, no. So, uh, yeah, I have very fond memories of Ireland. Great. And I still go back when I can, yeah. Perfect. So your experience in Ireland made you sure that spine surgery was for you, what sort of training did you have to pursue afterwards? I don't know if, if you were generally spine trained, so mostly like adult, or were you adult MP spine trained? What was your training after your, you know, your general orthopedic training? Yeah. So after the general general surgery uh, training, then I then came back to England and then um, got into, um, I think it was Stoke Mandeville Hospital, which is the National Center for Spinal Rehabilitation, but I was working in the orthopedic uh, unit. And then um, I spent a year there and then went over to Southampton, which is on the south coast of England. Uh, So Southampton is famous for um, being the home of the Titanic. But anyway, so I spent a year in uh, South Southampton doing orthopedics at a, at a junior level. And then I was asked to apply for the uh, orthopedic rotation in on the uh, south coast of England called the Wessex, <clears throat> the Wessex rotation, which is the orthopedic uh, uh, surgery rotation. So I applied for that uh, and got appointed. Uh, and then I suppose the rest they say is history. So you do your general orthopedic training, and then towards the end of your training, you then get into the specialty that you you hope to eventually follow for the rest of your career. Excellent. And so what is your practice like now? Is it mostly PEDS? I, I feel like I know you more so in the early onset space. Yeah. What is your actual practice like? 
So my actual practice is predominantly pediatrics. Okay. Uh, so I do I do do a bit of adults. Uh, in the early parts of my spinal surgery career, I did adult deformity as well. I still do a bit of adult deformity, but it's mainly pediatrics now. So early onset adolescent deformity. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, there's been actually a lot of buzz in the news lately because there are some recent articles that came up highlighting uh, the lack of racial diversity in the orthopedic surgery workforce within the United States. Yeah. When it comes to the UK, would you say that the UK has struggled as much with making the surgery workforce as diverse as the patient population that you're treating? So I think I think the UK has come on in leaps and bounds uh, since I first started. <clears throat> so I first started training. So when I when I first started in orthopedics, it was very much the uh, sort of white upper middle class old man's club uh, to do with orthopedics. So you kind of had to be of a certain background to get into the orthopedic fraternity. But over the years, it has changed. It has diversified. There are now um, minority groups from all races. There are a lot more females uh, um, employed in orthopedics as well. And that's that's reflected in the consultant body. Uh, it's reflected in the training grades uh, and in the hospitals. A lot of the hospitals now a very multi-ethnic. But having said that, you know, there are still barriers to, uh, you know, that uh, people feel that they're, they're subjected to every now and again. But I would say that on the whole, a lot of progress has been made because I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say this about the States because, you know, we, the assumption was always that, you know, America was, you know, the land of opportunities and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of diversity certainly what what's portrayed in the media i don't know what it's like on on the ground and i, I suppose you'll say to me because um i know in one of your emails you said uh what's it like being the the only black um uk spinal deformity surgeon and and i said to my wife when when i saw i said you know i'd actually never thought of i'd never thought about that and so i googled uh, uh, you know, I went on to Google to check, and I thought, well, actually, he's right. And I'd, I'd never, I'd never actually thought, <laughs> I never actually thought about that. Uh, you know, so, but what I would say is, things have come on a lot since I started training, and and it is reflected now. There, there is a lot of diversity uh, in in the UK in terms of training grades as well as consultant body. You know, you've had already an amazingly successful career, but especially for some of the younger surgeons listening to this podcast, if you had to do any aspect of your career over again or differently, what would that be? I think the first thing I would say is that I, um, I would do it all over again. I think um, I always say any successful person always has a story to tell because that's, that's sort of what sets them apart. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ability to face adversity, overcome it, and then, you know, get to where you want to go. The things that if I were to do differently, um, you know, because I'm not going to paint a picture of, oh, yeah, it's always been plain sailing and everyone's liked me, I've liked them. No, it hasn't. You know, I have faced prejudice. Maybe if I were 
if I were to do anything different, I would, if you like, stand up to it. So in those days, you know, because I was young, and I mean, it might sound naive, but um, I had never really, and maybe because I didn't look for it, or maybe it's just to do with my personality, but I'd never really experienced any direct prejudice until I was in the first year uh, of my orthopedic training. And that was because I had the misfortune of working for a guy who told me to my face he was racist and there was nothing that I could do about it. And he would do his best to destroy my career. You got to appreciate the honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and I remember at the time thinking, well, just keep your head down and it will all go away. And um, it didn't, obviously it didn't. And uh, eventually it was actually some of my my white colleagues and white mentors who, uh, if you like, rescued the situation and got this guy off my back. And I always think uh, back because people like that, you know, essentially bullies, that's what they are. And I always think back, well, maybe I should have stood up more to him Mm-hmm. You know, rather than allowing him to destroy my confidence over, you know, a period of time, uh, that maybe I would have been better to actually stand up to him and and not not allow him to to drain my confidence in that way. And for a while, I was disillusioned. But then, I suppose what um, what I realised then was that um, you know the guys who actually came and backed me up were white you know and so they saw beyond that and what they saw me for who I was and it was nothing to do with my color it's nothing they just thought well here's a a guy who's got promise we're going to support him we're going to back him we're going to get this guy off his back and allow him to uh you know his career to flourish so I always think well for every bad person there are two more good people and so I don't let the uh, the bad experiences color my life. It's more to do with what the positive experiences and the good that uh, is definitely out there. Absolutely. And that is such great advice. And, you know, uh, so Alvin Crawford, another uh, wonderful member of the SRS, as you ask him about so many of the firsts that he's accomplished in, in his life, his response to me often is, Jason, it's it's great to be the first, but it's better to not be the last. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and, and so our, our hope is that is that while you are the first for many things, uh, you know, Colin, uh, that, um, that that your example makes sure that uh, that that many will follow after you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I always uh, say to to my juniors, uh, you know, because, um, you know, one of the other things that came out of that experience with that was that I promised myself is that if I ever saw any of my junior colleagues going through the same issues or problems, that I would be there to support them. And so over the years, there have been a number of instances where I felt that people have been treated unfairly. And I've, you know, well, in in, in my own way, I feel I have stood up for them, but I've said to them, I don't want anything from you. All I need is that you pass it on, that when you're in my shoes and you see someone in difficulty, you make sure you help them. And don't forget, you know, what you've been through, that I think that's that's important to make sure that you keep passing it on, that whoever, if you help someone, you say to them, well, I've helped you today 
tomorrow you're going to be in my shoes make sure you help the next person you know so and and that's yeah that's 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 what i i keep telling them awesome well colin uh the srs is so lucky to have amazing members like you uh as part of our membership and uh, i know you are a very busy surgeon and uh so i i really appreciate you taking the time to share your story uh, hopefully we'll be able to hang out uh, at the next SRS annual meeting. I'm looking forward to Stockholm. Yeah. But thank you again so much for your time. No, thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really good talking to you. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. And uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> take care. Yeah, take care. Have a good evening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.